Hello and welcome to the Power in the Key podcast. I'm your host, Neil Winterton. Enjoying me in the line as he does every week. It's Ben Cad. How are you, Caddy? Good, mate. Good to be back. And um, as I was just chatting to you off, off, the, off, off the air, I was uh, back out of the doghouse after I found myself in there. Sunday night. <laughs> Come on, mate. You're not. You're no longer 23. You can't be going out to all hours of the night on a Sunday night, Caddy. That's a school night. You know better than to get on the piss on a Sunday night. What, what are you doing? No, well, I should have just sat in the uh, co-host chair of preparing the teapot and. And just just showing utter disrespect too to the legions of fans who were clamouring for a for a Monday morning episode. But there you were out drinking the the vodka cruises instead, Caddy. That's disappointing. Well, yeah, it's not often, yeah, in these COVID times that you get out on the out on the gas on a Sunday. But uh, I found myself squarely in that type of uh, environment, and um, yeah, was pay- paying the price yesterday. I oh, no doubt, mate. We're we're far too old to be uh, to be going out late on a Sunday night and trying to butter up for for work on a Sunday. That's uh, not a very good recipe. But uh, good to hear you back. You're back uh, out of the doghouse, mate. I'm, I'm sure you spent a couple of nights on the couch, which is always a bit uncomfortable, but. Uh, Good to hear, mate. That the uh, that the much much better half that, that you need to treat much better than you did on Sunday night, Caddy, just quietly, is uh, is now talking to you. So uh, all, all is well and good in the Cad household, <laughs> Caddy, which is which is very nice to hear. So there's there's been plenty of action, not only in the Cad household but uh, in the NBA since we last spoke. The All Star reserves were announced. So I'll just run through that. In the West, we had Luka Doncic, Chris Paul. Devin Booker, Donovan Mitchell, Draymond Green, Carl Anthony Towns, and Rudy Gobert. In the East, we had James Harden, Jason Tatum, Zach Levine, Fred Van Vliet, Jimmy Butler, Chris Middleton, and Darius Garland. We did today have the announcements of the injury replacement, so Kevin Durant will not be participating in the All-Star game due to injury, and LaMelo Ball has taken his place. We've seen Jason Tatum be... Um, trumped up to the to the starting lineup, and uh, Draymond Green also won't be t- participating for the West. And we had Dejounte Murray take his place as the injury replacement. So, Caddy, now that we've got all the selections and the injury replacements so far, was there any surprises for you about guys who were picked, or maybe in particular some guys who were left off either squad? No, look, I think it was it was pretty pretty what we expected. I, I'd, I'd probably look at the East as the the one that. Had a couple of more surprises for mine, and I think it was um, it was probably going to be headed that way. It looked like there was a few extra options in that sort of bubble um, range that you could have um, could have had. And I think Chris Middleton for me was probably the surprise. I don't think either of us had him selected no. in our teams, nor even sort of on the on that next run of names. So uh, for him to kind of get in there, I, I know you had Drew Holiday as an option uh, for the East, and and I think we both kind of thought that Middleton probably wasn't playing at the level he had previously. But um, look, in the end, Milwaukee had two uh, players was probably fair game. And yeah, I think Middleton was probably the surprise for me in the East. I think the West was was pretty much as we would have expected. I think once Andrew Wiggins became a starter, uh, the rest of the team almost picked itself in terms of um, Carl Anthony Towns um, and Gobert. I think they both had to be there. Maybe Anthony Davis was one that, Probably unlucky in the end um, to miss. I was glad that the John T. Murray got that opportunity uh, today, getting caught up into the team. I think he deserved it. So probably Davis, if there's another injury, might be the next one to, to be called up. Um, I would have thought. 
Yeah, you'd think so. He, he's been outstanding since he's come back from injury, despite the fact the Lakers are, are still struggling on the court. So I thought maybe because of, obviously, he's standing in the game, um, and, and as I said, he'd been very good since he came back from injury, that he might have snuck into that injury replacement role. But I, I totally agree. I think it's great to see DeJounte Murray be rewarded uh, for the season he's having, nearly 20 points a game, eight and a half rebounds, nine assists. You know, he's a very, very good defender as well, almost an elite defender if you want. So, yeah, I, I thought it was great to see the Adam Silver go down the DeJounte Murray path. And, yeah, I agree. If there's another injury in the West, it's clearly going to be Anthony Davis that steps into that uh, that next injury replacement role. Yeah, for me in the East, yeah, I, I was actually really, really surprised that, that Chris Middleton was named. I, As you said, not neither of us picked him or even really discussed him. And, you know, all the other sort of podcasts and, and, and the journalists and, and articles that were written leading into the announcements, I, I can't even really recall any of the, the those sort of guys even sort of trumping for Chris Middleton to make the All-Star team. I thought he, was, he should have made it last year and was very, very unlucky not to make it last year. And given that he was having an inferior season this year and I guess Milwaukee have been a little bit up and down. I, I was very surprised that, that he made it, particularly ahead of Drew Holiday, who I think's been been be, had a better season, only marginally, but certainly a better season so far than than Chris Middleton has. And then you're looking at someone like a Jared Allen as well, who's who I thought was very unlucky. He he put up a 2020 game as soon as he missed out on that selection, and I thought maybe he would be the the injury replacement given the games also in Cleveland as well. But I, I was glad to see Lamelo Ball get that that spot because he's. You know, he's exactly the, the sort of player that you want in an all-star game. And even someone like a Pascal Siakam as well, who had a slow start to the season. You know, we've seen Toronto get going. They're now 29 and 23, and these numbers across the board have been very good. So, yeah, I, I was very surprised that Middleton made it. Do you think, Caddy, it's maybe a bit of a show of respect, the fact that obviously they're defending champs. We saw him have some really big games in some playoffs, and, and maybe that's probably the reason they ended up, that he ended up making it. Yeah, I think there's some probably historical, you know, history that, that's come back into that for him. And you know, he had a, a great postseason uh, last year, and you know, really, you know, established himself. I think not that he probably already had done that. He was a two-time All-Star heading into this season already. But yeah, I think really um, maybe just the fact that Milwaukee, you know, got on a reasonable run um, leading into those votes. Look, he is averaging the 19 points, five rebounds, five assists. So the numbers are okay. But um, yeah, I'd probably agree in terms of Jared Allen. And more so for the fact the game was in Cleveland that there was an opportunity once they had selected Garland, um, which was you know maybe a surprise in a sense that he got the um, got the gig that um, Jared Allen may have also been rewarded. And, and I, I dare say if there is another similar to David in the um, in the West, if there is another injury, I think Jared Allen would probably be the next selected. Maybe Jalen Brown. He's he's still playing pretty well um, as Boston have got on a bit of a run here as well. So there's yeah a couple of more. Potential opportunities. Who knows about James Harden? His fitness going into to the match um, or into the All Star weekend. There's never any certainty around his his fitness, so there could be a, a, some more changes yet to come potentially. Yeah, there certainly could be. You know, you, you've rattled off you know Jalen Brown and some other <laughs> names as well. So it was certainly you know a lot tougher uh, for the for the coaches or the assistant coaches, whoever makes those selections, to to pick the East. As you said, that the West was pretty straightforward. So. Yes, certainly some unlucky guys in Allen and Holiday, Siakam and a Jalen Brown. So, yeah, if there is another injury replacement, I agree. I think it'll be Allen, uh, given the fact that it is in Cleveland. So we'll we'll see what happens there, but uh, we'll make some sort of all-star predictions and stuff when we get a bit closer to the game 
As I said, Caddy, trade season is upon us. We've already had a couple of uh, deals before the trade deadline, which is actually Friday our time, so only a few more days to go. We'll just have a chat about both of those trades that have happened so far. So we'll start with the, the trade where the Clippers acquired Norm Powell and Robert Covington, uh, and Portland received Eric Bledsoe, Justice Winslow, Keon Johnson, and a uh, and a second round, 2025 second-round pick. What did you think about this trade, Caddy? For me, on the surface, you sort of looked at it, looked at it, and thought, "Well, the Clippers have acquired two sort of rotational pieces. Norm Powell's got another four years left after this uh, after this season at seventy five million. Covington's an expiring deal, but they've picked up two sort of rotational pieces, and they don't seem to have given up on the surface level uh, too much to get those guys in Bledsoe, who wasn't having a great season for him. Winslow was really hardly playing. Keon Johnson, the twenty-one, the twenty-first pick in the draft last season, hadn't really played much, and you know a second-round pick doesn't seem to be a lot uh, to give up to to get a couple of players that could potentially help them this season and beyond, does it? No, I think it, it sort of showed two franchises that probably see themselves in in pretty different light heading into not only the back end of this season but also potentially into next season, where I think potentially earlier on we were looking at the Clippers as a team with Leonard out, maybe Paul George struggling to get back for the season, that maybe, you know, they could have gone the other way in terms of, um, you know, the trade trade season, into uh, get, you know, maybe looking to move off guys like Serge Barker or Reggie Jackson or Marcus Morris or someone like that, whereas they've kind of sort of re-upped a little bit in terms of getting in Norman Powell and his, you know, pretty sizable contract that he signed in the off-season. I think it was five years, $90 million. And then Robert Covington, obviously, as you mentioned, on an expiring deal. But um, to be able to get you know a couple of rotation pieces in sort of points to me that maybe they're hopeful of a Kawhi Leonard return before the end of the season, maybe Paul George as well. And if not, then at least they're showing those guys heading into um, you know what could be their player option free agency that the Clippers are absolutely committed to um, continuing to add talent to the roster and, and almost at any cost in terms of uh, the salaries because they're now going to be well truly into the luxury tax. We know that uh, Steve Farmer's got um, you know extremely extremely deep pockets. So um, very know, deep, Caddy. Very. I think I heard somebody say this week that he's he's got three times the net worth and the second highest richest the second highest richest owner in the NBA, which is just incredible. Yeah, it's it's amazing. So there's certainly no you know restrictions around the Clippers in terms of. Know, really adding, you know, within within the rules, uh, but adding as much salary to the payroll as they can. It's not going to affect them, and that's what they've clearly done here with the Norman Powell addition. So, you know, they, they've put themselves in a position to remain competitive. I think this season, um, as well as heading, you know, longer term into into, into next season, where I think you look at um, Portland and it was probably the first of maybe a couple of moves that they may look to make in terms of shaking out the roster, freeing up some more cap space. You know, almost pushing towards. You know, out of the the, the playing zone and, and towards the lottery uh, potentially this season, uh, they're on a five game losing streak as we as we go to wear. So you know, they're certainly tre- tre- uh, trending in the in the wrong direction, and, and maybe that's the direction they're inevitably going to be looking to take. And you know, and I think that's probably the right move for them them also. So I think you know they've been able to free up some cap space here by getting off Norman Powell, and then you know it does. You know, look to answer the questions around what the possibility, possible futures of McCollum and Damian Willard are going forward, not only into this next couple of days, but um, more more likely into the off season. Yeah, well, you'd imagine Damian Lillard's season's over. Why would he bother coming back? They're clearly in, in sort of you know 
rebuild mode, I suppose, at least for the rest of the season. As you said, it'll be interesting to see what happens with, with the McCollum and, and, and some of their other pieces, you know, Nurkic and these sort of guys, whether they end up moving on from them. But I can't imagine, you know, Dame Lillard's going to want to come back with, with his injury you know, to play for a team that's clearly not looking to win this season, at least anyway. For the Clippers, I, I, I think it's a really good deal, you know, I guess it doesn't make a lot of sense for Portland to pay someone like Norm Powell $75 million over the next four years. But for a team like the Clippers, who a piece like Powell could really make a difference and sort of, you know, push them up to, to winning a title, it does make sense. You know, next year, if they're able to, to re-sign Covington, they'll have his bird rights. So, you know, as you mentioned, Steve Barham has got very deep pockets. So I can't imagine that, you know, paying Covington more money is going to be a be a, a deal breaker for him. They could run out a, a five man lineup of Norman Powell, Covington, Kawhi, um, Paul George, and, and Marcus Morris. Like that's five guys that can all switch and defend and shoot the three. I mean, good luck trying to defend that and 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 even scoring against against that. So, I, I I'm still sort of skeptical about whether Kawhi Leonard will come back this year. He's you know historically been one of these players that lonely play unless he's 100%. So I'm st- I still don't think he'll come back this year. And there's, there's even some question marks about Paul George coming back uh, th- this season as well. So even if those guys don't come back, I think this is a good deal. But, you know, if by by some sort of freak sort of occurrence they do get him back, it's an even better deal because they can have a shot at, you know, at a, at a wide-open title this year as well. So I, I, I like it. Did, were you surprised that Portland – couldn't get maybe a little bit more for a Powell or a Covington. Now, they gave up two first-rounders for Covington a season or so ago, I think it was now, <clears throat> and they obviously gave up Gary Trent Jr. last year at the trade deadline to get to get Norm Powell. So we are surprised that that was all they were able to sort of get out of any teams with a couple of sort of guys that I reckon most contenders would have thought would have been pretty handy acquisitions. Yeah, I think particularly around the picks, you know, they just didn't get anything really back of great value, I don't think, in the in the draft picks that, that came back their way. Yeah, so second round, I mean, you know, the, the, unless you get even a an early second round, I suppose, is valuable. But, yeah, you, you think they could have at least got, a, you know, even a late first, couldn't they? Well, may, maybe they're looking at Keon Johnson as the, there was the other player in that yeah. deal as potentially, you know, that late first round pick, which effectively is what he was. So whether that's how they're kind of viewing um, his potential. But I think the important thing for Portland was, even though Bledsoe is contracted through next year, it's only guaranteed, or you know, really partially guaranteed. I think it's only on the books four, for $3 four million. Mil, yeah, yeah, just under four, yeah. So they can get off that uh, nice and easily as well. So it does does set them up to to make some other moves. And then also, as, as we've speculated all, all season around those those bigger fish in, in the team as to whether anything will happen there. So, I, look, I, I don't mind it. I think they're ideally wanting to try and keep their pick this year. We've discussed that a few times, the one that's owed to Chicago Lottery Protected. So, you know, if they do sort of fall into into the lower, you know, echelons of the West and, and sort of get an early pick, they will be able to hang on to it this year as opposed to sort of finishing middle of the road, not being a, a threat at all, and then having to cop up the pick, you know, pick 15 or 16. So I think they're, you know, they're making the right decisions here in terms of evaluating where they're at and, um, you yeah, know, trying to look to go in a slightly different direction, uh, not just this year, but into, into the next few years as well. Yeah, look, that does make sense. And if they get lucky in, in the lottery and, and end up drafting a, a very good player to stick next to Dame, that's obviously the, the outcome that, they, <clears throat> that they'll be hoping for. The, the other trade we saw happen, Caddy, was Karis Levert. So Cleveland got picked up Karis Levert and a 2022 second-round pick by a Miami. 
and Indiana got the expiring contract of Ricky Rubio, a 2022 lottery protected pick, 2022 second round pick via Houston, so that'll be an early second round pick, and a 2027 second round pick from Utah. So there was, you know, speculation for a number of weeks that Cleveland were going to be active at the at the trade deadline, given that Rubio was out injured, and and they sort of had some pieces that that might be able to move around. Did, did you like this move for Cleveland? Would you have liked to see them go down another pass, or do you think Karis Levert can be a handy pickup for them at the deadline? Yeah, I think there was certainly a lot of speculation around. That's the type of player that they were looking another, you know, wing that can can handle the ball, that can score. Um, you know, is Karis Levert the right guy there? Look, potentially, I don't think they again they've had to give up too much. They'll, they'll probably have to give up that pick this year. A lot of protected. We expect you know Cleveland to maintain their form and it'll probably be a pick somewhere in the 20s. Uh, the Rubio um, contract um, will be similar to like what Joe Ingles will probably end up getting traded, you know, just a, a, a salary shift. So I think to have a take a flyer on Karis Levert, have a look at him, in, in, and he'll get an opportunity to play there alongside Darius Garland. And I think they'll, they'll get a really good opportunity to see if that's going to I think it's certainly going to help them this year. It's just whether longer term it's the, it's the right type of player for what they need. They they certainly needed another ball handler. You know that they brought in Rajan Rondo to sort of play some minutes, but I think you know that they might still even to look to to backfill that role a little bit further. You know, would would have been better just to go on a flyer for Eric Gordon, um, potentially uh, someone with a bit more you know playoff experience to fill into that sort of uh, shooting role that they were looking for. But I think, you know, Levert fits the time frame of this team a little bit better if they are committed to sort of going with him longer term. He's only 27 years old, so there's, you know, still a bit of upside. He's missed a lot of basketball over the journey due to a, a number of injuries. So I think there's an opportunity for him to sort of grow alongside Garland and Allen um, and, and, and Mobley and those sort of guys that they've currently got on the roster. And the fact they haven't had to include Colin Sexton into any of these deals as well at the moment, I think, is... Um, uh, you know, a positive, and, and whether he's still there at the end of the deadline, or um, he still may factor in to some to some further moves potentially. But I think it's a, 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 a fair move for, for Cleveland to fill a need um, with what they certainly identified as something that they needed to replace um, as they you know continue to improve and, and be a really hard team to team to defeat uh, this season. Yeah, they've obviously had an outstanding season, a season that nobody saw coming. So Cleveland uh, are ranked 29th in points off drives per game, and Levert's actually ranked 10th in the league in that particular stat. So they've obviously identified that's a weakness for them, and and they figure that Karis Levert, given his you know, his ability to be able to score off driving, is is someone that can help him in, in, in that area. So he's not the most efficient player going around, obviously. He's due nearly $19 million dollars. Next season, so but as you said, you'd imagine that this they're looking at this as a long term move, and you know after next season they'll look to re-sign him and and, and hopefully grow with their core of Garland, Mobley, and Allen, as you mentioned. I thought Indiana did pretty well. I think that's a, a pretty good return for a Karis Levert, a first round pick, and a and a very you know healthy second round pick via Houston. So that that's going to be in the in the early thirties at least. When you look at uh, Cleveland's lineup, Caddy. That they've been starting Garland, Okoro, Markin, and Mobley, and Allen most of the time when when everybody's fit. And you know you've got Love and Rondo, Chetty Osman, Dean Wade coming off the bench. W- where do you see Levert fitting into this lineup? Do you think they'll start him in place of Okoro and bring Okoro off the bench, or do you think they're going to uh, bring Levert off the bench in that? 
basically that that traditional six man role because their, their offense just falls right off a cliff when when Garland goes off the floor. So maybe they'll look at this and say, well, when Garland's off the floor, at least we'll always have Levert on there, and he can, you know, as I said, he's not the most efficient offensive player, but he does have an ability to create offensive offense himself. So which way do you think they'll go with Levert? Do you think he'll be injected straight into the starting lineup, given that they've sort of given up a lot of draft capital to get him, or do you think he'll come off the bench? I think he'll come off the bench initially. I think that's, you know, is Cherry right for that type of, you know, Jordan Clarkson role that that we saw in Utah last year, a guy that, you know, he can get the green light to to create offense um, with the second unit, I think is probably ideal for him. Now, they do have the option of bringing him into the lineup and playing a bit smaller and maybe moving Market into the bench when he comes back into the team. So there is some options there if they do want to go a little bit smaller in the in the starting lineup. But I just like the idea of them continuing to put the time into Okoro, particularly you know, from his defensive um, mindset player. I think that's really important uh, for them, and it seems to be working well. Having him, you'd love to see his offense get a bit, you know, improve as well over the journey. But I, I think at this stage, it, it kind of works with the lineups they're having him playing there. Um, and I think, yeah, initially for Levert to integrate into the lineup, I think it'd probably be in the second unit um, and play alongside sort of Kevin Love there, gives him a nice one two offensive punch off the bench. And let, you know, if it is, if it is Rajon Rondo handling the ball in that second unit, then he's going to get plenty of opportunity to play off it and, and hopefully get into some really good scoring opportunities. And we know that he can, you know, score at a really good clip. And that's what he's sort of made his name for in the league. And, and, and in the end, I think Indiana probably really valued um, their first-round pick from last year, uh, Duarte, is you know, had a really promising start to the year and probably felt that he was the guy that they, they could go forward with considering this year's probably cooked uh, for the Pacers. So, no, I, I didn't mind the, the deal for both of the teams and I think it was a worthwhile flyer for Cleveland to try and add some you know, more talent to the roster when you know, they, they really put themselves in a, in a great position. And I think when you look at, look at what they've been able to do really to get Karis LeVert and now Jared Allen, who were both part of that big James Harden trade yeah. last year. They sort of got, got away with that pretty cheaply. Really Houston could have had players. both of those players, couldn't they? And they're now, they're now at uh, Cleveland. Yeah, exactly. And, and really haven't had to give up a, a huge amount to, to get them both there. And, and, you know, they worked so well to get into that the Jared Allen sticks, um, stakes last year. It was almost steak knives. And, and he's, you know, turned himself to a borderline all-star. And, you know, they've locked him in on a really fair contract for, for the longer term. And, um, if they can do something similar with Karis Levert, then as you said, the timeline kind of lines up for these guys to kind of continue to grow uh, together moving forward. Yeah, it does. And as you mentioned with Sexton, it'll be interesting to see what they do with him, whether he's out of contract at the end of the season. So do they want to sign him to a long-term deal or will they look to, to move him as well? I, I think um, they'll bring Levert off the bench as well. Their, their, their defense is ranked third overall in the NBA. So I don't think they want to tinker too much with that Starting lineup, it seems to be gelling pretty well, and yeah, that that as you said, that one-two punch with Kevin Love off the bench with Levert could could be uh very fruitful for them. Now the other the news that we haven't had the traders yet, but the the news of Ben Simmons again, Caddy has started to heat up over the last few days, and a lot of noise around the fact that a James Harden for Ben Simmons deal could be on the cards. It's probably quietened down over the last day or two, and we've seen both Steve Nash and, and even James Harden sort of come out and say that there's no truth to the rumour. But what what do you think's going on here, Cat? Is it just sort of some smoke and mirrors going on and, and Philly and Daryl Moray are trying to sort of 
create a bit of interest or do you think that there's actually some sort of substance behind this potential deal and we could actually see Simmons going to Brooklyn and James Harden heading over to Philly? Yeah, look, it's really hard to tell. I mean, you're hearing all sorts of things coming out in the last couple of days and whether that's just journalists trying to find angles at this time of year when they know there's a lot of you know, people looking for, for news content in regards to the trade deadline. But, you know, I think often where there's smoke, there's fire too. So, look, it's certainly someone's leaking something in terms of putting Ben Simmons right back onto the onto the front pages here and, and the talk around um, James Harden clearly won't go away, but we're seeing he's out of the lineup now with a with a, a sprained hand, I think, and a strained hamstring. So, you know, he's missing games. They're in free for Brooklyn at the moment, and you, you know, do wonder whether or not, you know, Harden's got the sooks up again and, and, and has gone to them and said, look, we're not, I'm not going to re-sign in the off-season. You're better off to get something for me uh, now um, while you can. And, and whether that's happened or not, who knows. But look, a, a Harden to um, Philadelphia would be quite interesting. He'd obviously probably want to be guaranteed that they're going to re-sign into to a monster contract in the off-season, considering he did turn down the extension uh, last off-season, hoping he was going to sign a the, the maximum. But I'd be quite nervous about doing that with James, James Harden yep. sort of locking in for five years of his age. And, you know, and initially it'd probably look all right, but you know, that years four and five, that's going to be in the $50 million range. And he, he certainly hasn't looked like a guy who's going to be ageing that well. He hasn't certainly had the dedication to his to his body and that we've seen, um, you know, other players have. And, you know, the, the most recent example would be Chris Paul, the guy, the way he's turned his body around it's hard to see Harden having that same discipline. So I think that contract, if it is extended, would, you know, age really, really badly. And, and whether Philly's going to be, you know, committed to, to doing that would be really, really interesting. And I think if, for Brooklyn, if they were able to turn him into Simmons, um, even if it was for this year and, and getting, getting in, well, it gives them another look all together and, and maybe something that could work if, if we're assuming that Ben Simmons is coming back fully fit in both our body and mind. So... Look, who knows? It's been kicking around, obviously, all the way back to the off-season about Ben Simmons and, and, you know, whether there's going to be something happening. It'd be a huge story if it was to beat a Brooklyn. But, yeah, I'd be probably very surprised if it if it was to happen before Friday. Yeah, as I said, that the last couple of days, it looked like sort of maybe four or five days ago, it was looking pretty strong that something might happen. But it, it has quietened down the last couple of days, as I mentioned. I... I, I, I sort of like this trade for both teams if, if I'm looking at it because Simmons going going across to Brooklyn, they've obviously got enough offense with KD when he's right and who the hell knows what's going to happen with Irving. So when Irving and KD are on the floor, they don't necessarily need another offensively gifted player, as gifted as he is like James Harden. I think Ben Simmons would be a really good fit. He'd obviously shore, shore them up defensively. He could push the ball in transition, but he's not going to be looked upon or relied upon to be scoring or, or generating any scores or taking any you know shots late in in the game in a playoff series where we've seen him falter before. So I think that would be a really good fit for Simmons, a bit of pressure off him uh, to, to be a scorer. And then when you when you look at it from a from a Philadelphia perspective, I mean James Harden's been been lethal with a you know basically sort of mediocre style centers, just basically screen and rollers. But imagine the duo he could form with Joel Embiid. You know, if he was willing to take a little bit of a backseat, it's clearly going to be Joel Embiid's team, even if Harden does go there. But I think they would form a really lethal com- combo offensively. But obviously, as you said, the biggest question mark for me is, you know, 
is is Philly going to be comfortable giving Harden that extension? And I think they probably will be, given the relationship that Daryl Morey has had with James Harden over a number of years. I, I've got no doubt that he's going to he would you know, wouldn't think twice about signing James Harden to a to that you know forty fifty million dollar a year extension over five years. But if you, if you were Brooklyn caddy, would would you prefer your option is you keep Harden this year, then you have to re-sign him to this this huge number over five years, or you can go down the path to get a Simmons and potentially a Curry or or a Green would probably a Danny Green would have to probably be thrown in as well from a Philly perspective. So door one is Harden this year, and you have to sign him to a a, a long max extension, or door two is Simmons and the remainder of his contract plus a Curry or a Green, which. Which door would you prefer to open if you're a, a Brooklyn Nets uh, general manager? Look, I, I think it'd be worth taking the shot on Simmons, to be honest. Like, uh, you know, he's, he's under contract for the longer term. You don't have to deal with the Harden extension. You know, you're not losing a, a great deal in terms of if you're looking at the way Harden's performed this year. It's not like he's at the level he was, you know, two years ago or three years ago. So, you know, he's struggling to stay on the court recently. Um, what are we getting on a night-to-night basis from Kyrie Irving? We, we still don't know going into the playoffs. But I think Simmons is a fit in terms of playing that sort of off, um, sort of more point guard role and setting up Kyrie Irving, and you know whether it's some screen and rolls with him or mismatches with Kevin Durant in terms of the size. I think there's a really good uh, fit there um, for Ben Simmons, Ben Simmons to 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 you know really fit into what they're doing, and and then. You're kind of giving yourself that next generational, uh, hopefully superstar. If in fact you know Durant isn't there for the longer term, or Kyrie Irving, at least you've got something else already in the sheds there that you can really build towards, rather than you know risking you know the chance that all these guys that and we've spoken about it have quite unusual personalities that they could just up and go at any you know given time. You know, even whether they're in contract or not, they might force their way out. So you know, if Ben Simmons checks out in terms of that he's going to commit to coming back and playing and you know as soon as straight away if he gets if he gets dealt then I think that does give Brooklyn a bit of a rejuvenated look uh, going forward into the playoffs this year and you know potentially you know further down the track as well so I wouldn't be against doing that if I was Brooklyn and and you know I, I, it's been a shame that the Harden Duran and Irving experiment hasn't really worked but um it, it just hasn't we're two years into it really now and they played what 16 or 17 games together so it, it's it's just not getting enough continuity and i think even at this stage of the season it's probably going to be too much to ask for all those guys hard and that Durant come back from injury irving um you know only playing apparently away games and i just don't think the mix is in the melting pot's quite right for them to have a, a championship run this year and, and whether simmons is the answer to that i don't know either but i think it's worth having a, a, a different look at it yeah, I agree. I, I'd pull the trigger on it as well. It would. It, I think Zach Lowe had, had said a couple of times that it could be the greatest what if of all time. This Brooklyn, you know, Durant, Harden, Irving combination that just as you, what did you say, sixteen or seventeen games or whatever they've played together. It's just, it's just incredible that they haven't been able to get out on the court in their basically two seasons together. So, yeah, it's going to be very, very interesting, Caddy, over the next couple of days whether the, the they do pull the trigger on that. I mean, if you've got information that Harden's going to be looking around in the off-season and potentially signing elsewhere, I mean, you might as well pull the trigger. So for the sake of a bit of talking and a bit of interest, I hope the trade does happen, but it, it wouldn't surprise me if, if nothing does happen. But uh, as I said, Caddy, it is trade season and, and both of us fancy ourselves as – as good GMs, given that uh, we're in a fantasy league together and we're always looking to uh, to make some trades. So we're going to pick 
two trades, Caddy, that we would like to see happen. We don't necessarily think that these will definitely happen, but I think just a couple of trades that we would like to see happen. I'll kick it off first, Caddy, that one of the, the feel-good stories of the season has clearly been the Memphis Grizzlies, and I think they're in a good position to to make a bit of an all-in move. So I'd like to see them acquire uh, Jeremy Grant from the Detroit Pistons. He's got two years, $20 million left in his contract. They would have to give up Kyle Anderson, which is an expiring $10 million deal, Jarrett Culver uh, and John Concha, and they'd also throw in a first-round pick via Utah, which is turning out to be a better pick than what you would initially think. And a first-round pick via the Lakers. Um, if it falls inside the top 10, it does actually stay with the Pelicans this season. It's a bit of a complex uh, draft pick, but it looks like it's going to fall outside the top 10. So Detroit, in in uh, in essence, for uh, Jeremy Grant, get two first-round picks. Jarrett Culver, who was a first-round pick a few seasons ago, you can take, have a bit of a throw at the stumps with him. And Memphis get that sort of wing stopper and, and and scorer, I suppose, that they're looking for. They managed to keep their own first-rounder as well, so they, they can still use that, obviously, in the draft or, or in further trades if they wish. They could they could throw out a starting lineup if they do get Jeremy Grant, caddy of Morant, Ja Morant, Desmond Bain, Jeremy Grant, Triple J, and Stephen Adams. And then off the bench, you've still got Dylan Brooks, Zaya Williams, Brandon Clark, DeAnthony Mountain, and Tyus Jones. So I think this would sort of round out their their, uh, their list really nicely. They've really only got one more year after this season left of Ja Morant on his cheap deal before they, they'll have to sign him to, to an expensive deal. Uh, Jaron Jackson Jr.'s uh, extension kicks in next year. So they're sort of running out of time to sort of push all the chips in. So I think they either have to do it now before this trade deadline or in the off-season. But I think Jeremy Grant would be a nice piece for Memphis to add. What do you think about that, Caddy? Do you like the mix that uh, Grant would bring to the to the Grizzlies? Yeah, I think so. I think it's a, a position of need potentially for them to sort of fill out their, their roster. They've got so many options, Memphis. They're, they're so beautifully placed in terms of you know, draft assets, young players, and they've got depth you know, all the way through the roster. So there's a number of different ways they can go, and you outlined a few of them there. But Jeremy Grant, for sure, would be a good addition. I think it'd be a shame if Memphis did just stand pat this season. I think there's a real potential that they could, you know, really shake things up, not dissimilar to what we saw Atlanta do last season, that there could be an opportunity to, to really push, um, you know, ahead of their, their time frame, I suppose, and, and getting a, a veteran like Jeremy Grant in there would, would certainly assist. And if they're not giving up, you know, too much of their uh, rotation as it currently stands, and I think, you know, that would be a worthwhile opportunity uh, for them to do. And, and, and certainly, again, showing those young players that they're, we're not, we're not just going to wait for the continued development. We think we're a chance to, you know, make some noise as soon as this year. And, and that's the reality. I think they're, they are the sort of the sleeper there in the West that they've been able to continue to, you know, to move up the standings and, and really put the, Put a fear of God into some of the other teams around what they potentially could do. You know, the thirty-seven and eighteen record, good enough for third in the West, would be um would be leading the East. So that's that's how well they're going. And you know, if they, it, it would, as I said, it would be I think a bit of a shame if they weren't trying to move a couple of chips in uh, this deadline just to you know really fortify what they're doing going into the playoffs. Yeah, well, Morant's really ascended, hasn't he? Into you want to do a list or something. He's, he's around the top sort of 10 at the moment. And and with, with these first-round picks, the, the, the Jazz first-rounder, the, the first-round pick via the Lakers and their own first-rounder, they don't want three first-round picks in the upcoming draft. That's that's no good to them. They don't want to add three young guys. So they need to be able to put these picks together 
and 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 try and bring in something that they need. And I, I just think Grant would be the perfect match for them. Give them that 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 wing scorer and defender. What about you, Caddy? What's the the first uh, trade that you would like to see happen at the deadline? Well, I'm quite sick of the um, the Washington Wizards, to be honest. I just don't like anything. You know what they've really been building, or what the, I don't, we know they came out of the blocks pretty pretty well, really well this season, and it looked like oh, well, finally there's a, a good mix of players. But it just hasn't translated all the way through the season, and I just think it's now time for the Bradley Beal discussion to to, to heat up. Um, oh, I here think, we go. I like it. <laughs> I just think you know that we, we've seen enough historical evidence now that he's probably not the number one guy that you can build around and, and you know, the number one star on a, on a team. He'd probably be that perfect sort of second-level player, I think, on a, on a team. And, and that's, you know, essentially where he is. The, the elephant in the room, again, for him is going to be um, an upcoming extension that um, I'm sure he's looking to, to sign. So you, you'd probably like to think he's got a guarantee of, if he is traded, that the, the team is going to or prepared to, to sort of commit longer term to him. So the team I've... I've seen and I think there's enough the right pieces going back the other way would be the Atlanta Hawks I think to pair Trey Young and, and Bradley Beal together in a backboard in Atlanta would be fantastic and, and really give them an enormous scoring punch in that team and, and the players that they'd have to send back would be John Collins who we know has been bandied around in trade rumours for a significant um, period of time they'd have to get rid of their I think last year's first round pick on Yuki Okongo who was the sixth pick in the 2020 draft so you know the the Wizards are getting a, a shot at him. Um, he, he's shown reasonable progress so far um, this season in limited opportunity, but I think he, he'd get a better opportunity over in Washington. And then they'd have to send their, a first-round pick uh, as well. So, effectively, a first-round pick of Congo, he was a pick six, and John Collins. Would that be enough to for the Wizards to blink in terms of um, a Bradley Beal trade? I don't know, but I, I do like the fit with him moving and, and playing alongside another a grade player um, and, and sharing that load with Trey Young in Atlanta. Yeah, I, I yeah, I, I think it's time that the Wizards do at least really explore trading trading Bill. Now, that, I think that's a that's a great return. Okongwu is having a, a fantastic season. You mentioned he's he's had pretty limited minutes, but I, I think I think Atlanta are very high on Okongwu. So I, I mean, no one's untouchable, but I. I don't think they would look to move him on. I think they see him as their centre of the future. But if Washington could get a Kongu, John Collins, and a first-round pick, I think they would move on from Bill. It's just, as you said, I think it's run its race. He's going to be looking for that that massive extension, similar to James Harden money. Now, he's he's had a down year, so whether it's just you know a, a one-off bad year, you know, we've seen him win scoring titles or go very close to winning the scoring title last year. I, I can't remember if he ended up catching Steph or not, but 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 he's got the history there of he he's not the player that's good enough to to carry you over the top or, or carry a team to it to a second round playoff series. So yeah, I, I think they need to move him. Where I, I don't mind pairing him up with um with Trey Young. That that would certainly be very very lethal. On the offensive end, obviously the biggest question mark would be, you know, defensively you're sending Collins and a Congo out, who are who are two, especially Congo, a very good defender. So, yeah, that that'll be interesting. It's it's going to be it's going to be intriguing to see what Washington do. That you know they've got a number of guys that they could look 
to look to move on. You know, Montrez Harrell is certainly a guy on an expiring deal. You know, there's, I'm sure there's going to be interesting guys like KCP from Contenders that, that are looking for that sort of 3 and D style player. You know, Cole Kuzman's had a very good season. So whether they just, you know, keep it as it is, as you said, they had a very good start to the season, or whether they look to move it on, I'm going to be very interested to see uh, what the Washington Wizards end up doing at this trade deadline. One of the other teams, Caddy, that interests me at the trade deadline, and there's been a lot of rumours around them making a significant move, is the New Orleans Pelicans. Now, and the, the other team I think that need to make a move are the Sacramento Kings. So I've tried to sort of shoehorn one almost in here. So in this deal, uh, the, the Pelicans received Darren Fox and Sacramento get back Josh Hart, who's on a $12 million deal over the next three seasons. Now, they can either hold on to... Josh Hart, or look to move him on because there's gonna there'll be plenty of contenders who are, who would give up a, you know a good second round pick or maybe even a late first rounder to get someone like Josh Hart. Um, Herb Jones has had a fantastic season for the Pelicans, so he's made Hart a little bit expendable. So Sacramento get Josh Hart, uh, Thomas Sadaranski, Sadaranski's ten million dollar expiring deal. He's been disappointing uh, going across to the Pelicans this year, and Jackson Hayes, who's certainly showing. You know, flashes every now and then of, of, of some real talent. He's got $5.3 million left over the next two years. So Sacramento would also receive uh, the pick that the Pelicans have via the Lakers, which is which is a bizarre pick. It's either the 2024 first rounder or 2025 first rounder. So the Pelicans actually have a choice about which one they'll take. So obviously Sacramento would have that choice. And that also, they would also get the Pelicans' first-round pick as well. So they get two first-rounders, Jackson Hayes, a, a former first-round pick, and then a Hart, who they might be able to move on for some more capital. And the Pelicans get Fox. Now, I don't know whether it's the absolute best fit. They'd be able to run out a starting lineup of Fox, uh, Devontae Graham, Zion, Ingram, and Valanchunas. That would be very good offensively. There would obviously be a lot of questions defensively. Um, with that starting lineup, so whether it's someone like a Fox or CJ McCollum's the other name that's been bandied around about the Pelicans, I would like to see the Pelicans potentially make a move and and sort of show that there's there's all these rumours about Zion potentially being on the move as soon as he can. At least if they make a move here, show Zion that they're they're serious about being a contender. Maybe he gets back on the court um, before the end of the season. They're now remarkably in in the play in. Uh, position at the moment. So I'd like to see the Pelicans make a move and that Darren Fox one I think might be able to work okay for them, Caddy. What do you reckon about that one? Yeah, well, I think the Pelicans, as you mentioned, it's just staggering the fact that they've got themselves into that uh, 10 spot at the moment. They've overtaken Portland now, um, 21 and 32, and I think they were 1 and 11 to start the season. So they've basically gone uh, 500 the last um, you know, 40 games or so. So you know, is there a move there? Are they eyeballing a guy on return? Um, I think Fox is clearly on the outer in Sacramento and, and the guy that they're probably willing to, to part ways with considering um, the, you know, continued improvement of Halliburton. I think they rate him maybe a little bit more than Darren Fox. So, you know, Fox is fast. We know that. We'd love to see him in the open court with Williamson um, running the break as well. So, yeah, no, that starting five. Uh, you mentioned would be good. I, you know, I don't know how well the Devonte Graham piece is gone for them, but you know, at least if you're putting another, you know, ball, you know, another ball hand next to him as well, it, it might, you know, help his take that pressure off him in terms of the the primary ball handling responsibility. So no, I don't mind that uh, for them. Who who did you say was going back to Sacramento? It was Josh Hart, Josh Hart, Sadaransky, and Jackson Hayes, who who I think's a, an intriguing piece. He's certainly shown a lot of promises as a 
as a very athletic centre? Yeah, look, you know, from a Sacramento point of view, you'd think just from the players' point of view, it'd be a disappointing return to come back. But I think, you know, they need to do something. They've got to be proactive. Whatever's going on there at the moment is simply not working. And if they can get out of that Darren Fioran Fox money, uh, he has signed, you know, a pretty significant extension. Um, they might be happy just to, to, to get off that money and, and kind of, you know, start again, again. So, um, <laughs> you, know, we've, you know, we've seen Davion Mitchell, he's played you know, reasonably well the last couple of weeks as well. So they might be able to put some more time and minutes into him also. Yeah, no doubt. I, I totally agree that they're certainly going down the, the Halliburton path. He had 17 odd assists, I think, in the game against, um, who was that against? Oklahoma that I was watching the other day while I was getting my hair cut, Caddy, the good of the uh, the barber to put uh, league pass on for me. So, yeah, he's, he's certainly um, he's certainly the future, I think, in uh, in the point guard department for Sacramento Kings. So I'd be surprised if Fox is still on their roster at the end of the trade deadline. Just It'll just be a matter, I think, of whereabouts he goes. What about your last one, Caddy? What was the other trade that you would uh, love to see happen by the trade deadline? Well, you mentioned this uh, player in your, your speech just before, and it's uh, CJ McCollum. So I, I still think Portland, have, you know, we know they've made the first move with um, getting rid of uh, Covington, Norman Powell. But I think, yeah, I think there's still some more blowing up to do. And I think CJ McCollum um, would be a really good fit next to Luka Doncic in Dallas. So if they're able to to um, get that, um, CJ McCollum in, I think that gives them, you know, some extra, you know, real offensive punch. It'd be nice to see CJ not paired with another small um, point guard, if you like. Don't you has got that extra size, and I think it, it just sets up a little bit better. And with the um, Tim Hardaway Jr. injury that's looking like it's keeping out the majority of the season, he'd be a guy I'd look to be sending back to, to Portland, maybe with Maxi Kleber and, and a first-round pick. So um, it gives um, Portland that opportunity to get off the CJ McCollum money, which is, you know, the $30 million for the next, you know, three years or so. Hardaway is on the books for another three years after this season, but it's had a much lesser number, 19, 17, 16. So it is declining. Um, he, he could still be then shipped somewhere else. The same with Maxi Kleber, just under contract this year and next. And then, you know, they've got a first-round pick thrown in there as well from the Mavs. I think, um, you know, that wouldn't be a bad outcome for Portland. And I think a, a, a good fit for McCollum next to Doncic in Dallas. And I think, you know, Dallas has sort of just been thereabouts these last two or three years. We've seen really good signs from, you know, Doncic in particular in the playoffs. But it'd be great to get another... Not quite superstar level player, but really, really good offensive player to, to put next to him and take some of that heat off in the back into some of those um, important playoff games. Oh, that that that'd be a great get for Dallas. You know, McCollum's been a borderline All Star a couple of seasons. I I selected him last year when we when we did our All Stars just based off the fact of the way he started the season. He obviously had a significant injury which hampered him after that. But yeah, that 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 would be a fantastic move for for Dallas if they could add someone of the calibre of CJ McCollum. But it'd just be a matter of whether Portland would be looking for a little bit more to move on McCollum. Obviously, you know, Kleber, I think, is a really nice piece. As you said, they might be able to move him on as well. And, and Hardaway's deal with this injury is probably not great. So whether that's seen as a value contract in the NBA is probably debatable. I don't know how much value they'd be able to get back for him. So essentially a, a one first-round pick for McCollum, you Dallas might have to sweeten the pot a little bit. I don't know how they can do that, but um, it would certainly be a really good fit for for Dallas. But uh, so, how, how happy do you think D- Dame Lillard would be if they did move on from CJ as well? Given that they've already traded off Covington and Powell, do, do you think he would look at that and say, "Well, I 
they need to move me on as well because Portland aren't serious about being a, a winning team. Yeah, and I think that's probably where his head might be anyway. So, look, you know, he's in that position. He's under contract for significant money for the for the next few years. So he's got that locked away, and, and I think he'd be looking at what's happening around him at the moment already and be thinking, shit, we're, we're not, you know, certainly going to be contending in, in anywhere in the near future. So, you know, if they do look to move McCollum as well, then yeah, they're clearly heading down a particular direction, which is not deep in the playoffs. So, you know, whether he then tries to force his way out is that the worst thing that can happen to Portland? Potentially, they've never really been a, a free agent destination, so they're really going to have to head back to commit to heading back to the draft for a couple of years and hoping to, yeah, just pick pick really really high and, and get the next superstar and, and start again. I think they've been admirable and honest and and even even better than that. Really, I think they've been outstanding the last five or six years and, and got everything out of themselves, and you know, it just hasn't gotten over the over the top. And I I can't see it happening clearly this year or next year, so I think it'd be time just to move on and, and start afresh and, and really try and get everything you can for, you know, whether it is Lillard and McCollum, but, you know, I think initially McCollum could be the one that, that gets moved first. Yeah, well, you couldn't blame that if, if they did totally blow it up and, and get rid of everybody and reset, as you said, and sort of go back to the draft and hope to, to get a franchise player that way. So it's going to be very interesting, Caddy. There's always a flurry of activity in that last sort of 30 minutes of of the trade deadline, it's incredible that they, all the GMs have all this time to make these trades, but they leave it to the last 30 minutes. So it's always very exciting when you, your Twitter's blowing up and Woj is tweeting and Shams is tweeting and they're trying to outdo each other. So, yeah, it's very exciting to see what happens over the next couple of days heading into Friday's trade deadline. We'll call it there, Caddy. And as I say every week, thank you to everybody who continues to download the podcast. If you haven't jumped on Apple Podcasts as yet and given us a five-star rating, if you could do that, that would be much appreciated. And we also have the Facebook page going. If you like it, we do post all the episodes there. Until next week, we'll talk to you then.